DEA Sky Thorleafson presents Adaptational, the hardcover edition. Revisiting the best episodes of our first season, plus newly recorded content that was not featured during the original run. Join us at the end of the episode for our special new segment, The Appendices. For those seeking further insight into the source material, its history in cinema, and my personal connection to it. Now, enjoy the show. Today's episode was originally released on April 1st, 2018. That place began from the resonance of intersecting points. They are memories replaced by ends and not and etched into stone. Blood, young sprouts, sky, and the one with the ability to control beings created from light. In that world, it is said that if one should wish it, one can bring back the souls of the dead. But to trespass on that land is strictly forbidden. From Team Eco and director Fumito Ueda, Shadow of the Colossus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of Adaptational. My name is Sky Thorleafson, and I'm here to continue the discussion about the adaptation process, what's great about the stories that you love, and what could possibly happen to them if they were to be turned into movies. Well, this is something completely unconventional for me now, because not only do I have one guest, I have two guests this week <laughs> to discuss something that is very, very, very specific to their interests. First off, from Aggressively Unfunny, we have Harris Gale. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. And from Press Start and formerly of High Scores, Jackson McGilvery. Thanks for having me, Sky. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and we have been planning this for a while now. We yeah. have been planning mm-hmm. this discussion for a little, for a fair, about two months now, I yeah. guess, at yeah, this it was point. Yeah, around the Super Bowl. But it is uh, a big discussion because not only is it relevant, but it's it's relevant in more than one way, but mm-hmm. we will get to that in a second. We are about to discuss one of the most acclaimed video games of all time, mm-hmm. Shadow of the Colossus. Yep, hands down. For me, I like because I played the original. There, so you, there was a re-release that came out uh, recently, just uh, last yeah. month. Last yes. month, yep. yeah. I played the original on PlayStation Two mm-hmm. way back, and that for me was like one of the most like transformative video game experiences mm-hmm. because at that point. It was a lot of, like, God of War and Prince of Persia and, like, mm-hmm. fun games, but really kind of linear, and you follow the story. The story has story beats, and there's lots of dialogue, and especially God of War had, like, so much, like, cheesy dialogue. <laughs> this was so refreshing because it didn't have any of that junk that these other games had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It uh, really I, – I could see the influences uh, because I didn't get to play this game until this recent remake. Um uh, so, because I didn't own a PlayStation when I was a child, so I I recently played Zelda Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I can just totally see the influences that that game took from Shadow of the Colossus, especially in the design of that game. Yes. I haven't, I still haven't gotten a Switch yet, but I can definitely see that oh, in the art design and it's, stuff. It's very much like you know how Shadow of the Colossus gives you like uh, it it doesn't over stuff your your uh, senses with like just enemies everywhere and dots yeah. on the map and, and all like, these like no learning curve you stick the sword up <laughs> right you go exactly. where you gotta go they just let you do your thing they yeah. don't give you like a tutorial or anything or anything um 
and it's the same thing with Zelda too. It's it's the same. They let you do what you th- your thing, and you can. They have wide, open, vast landscapes to see if you if you can see it in the distance, you can go there. Yeah. And I can just see, even the climbing. The climbing, I can. It, they've taken influence from Shadow of the Colossus with like the stamina mm-hmm. meter and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, fantastic. So we will talk about that in a moment. Yeah. I will uh, own up to one thing. I too had never played this game up to this moment. I know I've said that I've played it before, but uh, that's only because I was blanking on what my favorite game was at that time. <laughs> Back then, I probably would have said Assassin's Creed 2. Sure. Ooh, that's a good one. Because I am not... Another uh, very, like, God of War-esque, like, lo- huge learning curve in those games. This one has a very, like, not steep learning curve. Right, that's for climbing. Right. <laughs> and striking things with your sword. Well, uh, we better get to we better get to that for the, mo- sure. for the in a moment, but we should give a little bit of a plot, plot synopsis. Right, exactly. First of all, I'm gonna let uh, Jackson take this. Kay. Actually, uh, I'm just gonna preface to say full spoilers. Full yeah? spoilers. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, I'm still a little confused on the ending, but basically, <laughs> you are you play as Wander, I believe is the protagonist's name is. Uh, you and you come into this giant. It looks like a giant temple, and you have this woman with you, and she appears to be dead. And Wander puts her on this 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 uh. What's what's like a stone bed type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, an altar basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't remember how it goes. Basically, he asks. He's it's like it's almost like he's asking the gods to bring her back, but he has this special sword that he literally called the ancient sword. Yeah, um, that he has some mystical powers, and to do this, um, the gods basically tell him he has to defeat uh, these six, the sixteen colossi throughout the land, and yeah, you gotta take him down, and then you'll bring your. I don't know if it's his love or his sister. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's purposely vague, and, yeah. and it doesn't need any more like exposition or dialogue. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you you have your mission, and you just that's it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it is intentionally so. It makes you. It I doesn't. Love it. It doesn't give you any. It doesn't weigh you down with any kind of backstory right. or anything. Mm-hmm. It's the basic setup where. Literally in the first five minutes from when you op- when you open the game and when you put it into your PS2 or PS4 or whatever generation you're playing it on, in the first three minutes you're just watching Wander on his horse. Which uh, does anybody want to say? Aro, <laughs> Aro, yeah. Aro in the uh, game. Agro in English, huh, which is, is bizarre because I would think that it should have been Argo or something like that. But yeah, I think that's like just like a, a Japanese dialect thing where you, you, they have a hard time with their, their G's and their R's. They don't they don't actually uh, speak uh, full Japanese in this game. It it's is like by a, a it is by a Japanese company and a Japanese director. Yeah. but it's kind of a fake language yeah. to yeah. some extent, a con lang. I like it. Anywho, yes. So. Literally in the first five minutes, you just watch Wander on his horse, uh, literally wandering through the uh, through this very pristine scene, mm-hmm. only to find out uh, five minutes later that he's actually carrying the corpse of either his uh, dead lover, his sister, somebody of great importance, who was sacrificed because she was cursed. Oh, I never got that. That is the only that is the only bit of exposition that you get until way later in the game huh. when other characters show up. Wait, you oh in the end. Yes. Okay, yeah. We're going to we'll, well talk about, we'll that, talk about that, that way that. later. Okay. Yeah. So basically you get this mission and then it's just 
the like most epic boss battles of any game you've ever played, mm-hmm. and like sixteen of them. Sixteen. Oh, it is so because yeah. there's no. You don't have to do anything other than just figure out these bosses' weak spots, aside, get to the weak spots, and take it down. Aside mm-hmm. from some like simple platforming, uh, yeah, you, it, they're they're basically puzzles. Like the yeah. bosses themselves yeah. are the puzzles, and just the scale that they they portray the colossus, the colossi. At, colossi. Um, <laughs> Use the proper term. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. Like I I I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I get like freaked out at giant things. <laughs> I love that. Like you were telling me that before. Like man, if you if you could picture like Godzilla just walking around the city, and I was like next to his foot, I would flip sh- like it's just like it's yeah a, it's a scale thing for you yeah like, if you, i don't know if what it is smushed by something so some of the those uh battles that you have to do to do with the col- colossi <laughs> um <laughs> just kind of freaked me out i don't know like but i loved it i love that that sense of scale and how they move so slowly i yeah. love that 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 weight, are, the weight that they carry. You are very much meant to be daunted by their yes. very presence, oh, yeah. basically. And the moment that you see the first, uh, the first, the first Colossus named Valis, it's astounding. Just mm-hmm. the because fa- you that, don't know what to expect. Exactly. Yeah. And on the score in this oh, game, oh, oh. the music in this game yeah. helps so much in capturing that whole essence of being overwhelmed being daunted by everything that you see happening around you and it's so epic and it just lends to like the epicness of every fight you feel it's just so good Mm -hmm. i i can't i don't know how else to articulate it it's just like every fight is so different and so epic and every fight has its own little nuances Mm -hmm. um but it's it's you don't have to change up your game that much like it, it you they have little nuances and little weaknesses. Every boss has a different weakness, but you, the basic mechanics are the same from fight to fight. You feel the struggle climbing the Colossus. Like, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you yes. you feel like you're not just constantly climbing. You have to stop and kind of take Re- have, recuperate. Yeah, yeah, you have to be strategic about when you let go and when you're climbing, and mm-hmm. you're constantly being thrown around. And when you get like, when you let go and you're oh. getting thrown off, you go <laughs> flying. Okay, that is one of the my. <sighs> How you don't die? That, but also how it's so frustrating sometimes. Maybe the mechanics were different for the PS2 than they are now for the 4. No, they feel very much like a 2006 <laughs> game. But. So they've got these spots of like fur mm-hmm. or whatever that you have to moss. grab on. I, I would say it's moss. Yeah, maybe. it's very mossy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to grab onto it and kind of scale this gigantic beast, but they move around a lot and they shake you around a lot. And if you make like one wrong move at one point, it'll throw you and you have to start from scratch mm-hmm. and that seemed like oh many nights i was like so frustrated just to, especially the last boss because that yes. one is like, yes that's, a, that's a, a slog just to get through it you spend like 45 minutes trying to figure out like half half the time you don't even know oh you're supposed to find this particular point and yeah. then you're supposed to hit that point and then you're supposed yep. to jump from this point to the next point yeah. and it's mm-hmm. just it's it can get aggravating at times, but it's a little aggravating. bit aggravating. Ah, <laughs> that was Jackson uh, McGilvery, yeah. everybody. Some classic <laughs> hey, wits. Can... I'm here all week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys have a personal favorite Titan? Yes. Okay. He <laughs> <laughs> had that in the chamber. Uh, the one it's uh, I think it's number nine. It's Phalanx. Phalanx. That would be the thirteenth. Thirteenth. Okay, I was way off. <laughs> yeah, come correct, Jackson. But uh, yeah, he's basically like this giant kind of worm bird thing that uh, is in the desert, and he f- and it flies uh, 
through the desert and you gotta like kind of bring you have to shoot down these weird sacks on his mm-hmm. like chest and then he, uh his altitude gets lowered and then you have to ride alongside him on your horse mm-hmm. and jump on him while you ride. i don't know i just love that i love anything that has to do with horseback where you're going from your horse to to uh whatever you're trying to jump onto like mm-hmm. i remember when i uh played red dead redemption a long time ago oh yeah i yeah. discovered that there's a train that goes around around <laughs> uh the map just consist like constantly and i, I love just jumping from my horse to the train so i don't know i just that, i love doing that kind of stuff but now, I, 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 yeah. I haven't played it in a while so i kind of forget what all the bosses are now i remember there was one where it's like a bird type thing that swoops down yep. and you gotta oh, jump that up would, and grab its wing that's avion the fifth colossus that, that one i enjoyed satisfying. a lot yeah mm-hmm. and then also we were just watching a video of what was the one that can like smush you that's really big Oh, uh... That's a lot of them. <laughs> that's, like, the Fair point. second one, I think. Quadratus. Quadrat- is it, it looks like a, just a, a really... Bi- no? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you have to, like... Okay, so it, like... It's huge, mm-hmm. and it it jumps up on its hind legs to smush you, and then you have to shoot it on its, like, hook. Yes. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that would, that would be my two. I don't... And... I, I know you asked before, like favorite music. I that's kind of not in my wheelhouse as much as it is Jackson's. Um, Fair enough, yeah. So I don't really remember a lot of the soundtrack, but every single battle has just the most amazing, epic sound uh, uh, music. My favorite track is the battle with phalanx, 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 whichever one. Yeah, that, that's probably how you pronounce it. But it's uh, the the track counterattack uh-huh. uh, from Shadow of the Colossus. made a really good choice in phalanx that was my other choice but my uh the one that i really felt mo- was most creative and i really love uh bosses that are interestingly designed but not so much that it's counterintuitive to mm-hmm. the rest of the game mm-hmm. uh so i have a favorite and a least favorite okay um my favorite personally is the 12th colossus pelagia and Ooh. this is and this is the one where you literally have to climb onto its back, and there's teeth on yeah. its head, and you have to knock it in a certain direction in right. order Steer to it. move it. Right, right, right. Okay, it's coming back to me now. I hated that one. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I thought it was a cool concept, but I just hate any ones that had to do with water because I hate swimming in this game. Okay, that so makes slowly. sense. What, the swimming is really, really uh, lackluster, but I guess that wasn't really but part of his qualifications w- as a warrior. With this <laughs> Wanderer, not a swimmer. With nope. this Colossus, though, I thought it was really cool. That sense of scale, kind of, again, when you're underwater, like, you know when you have to swim behind him, mm-hmm. and you're underwater, and you can see this hulking, just mass yes. underwater? That's even yeah. scarier. Oh, yeah. That. When there's something underwater, which might lead us to another Colossus, but... Um, <laughs> no, you yeah. might... You make a good point, but I feel like I, I feel like the water is way more consistent and way easier to control than the sand. Because my least favorite uh, Colossus in the entire game is very fittingly named Dirge. The sandworm Colossus, Kay. basically. This thing's freaky. <laughs> like, it's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh man, I, it's one of my favorites though. Actually, again because of horseback, yeah. mm-hmm. I love horseback. Just just fighting things on. Horseback. Anytime that you get to play with aggro, it's actually really uh, entertaining yeah. to but a great extent. Totally. Its eyes when it's chasing you because it comes right at you from behind and its eyes just peer out of the sand. It's terrifying. See, I spend like two really hour. I spend like an hour and a half the first time I was playing through it, just wandering around and. That annoying voice of the god Dorman uh, is in the background because I don't know how to turn it off yet. <laughs> and it's just saying, shoot it in the eyes. Really? And I'm trying to look around and it's like, where are its eyes? I turned it off, has no eyes. I turned off all hints and I, all my whole... I did not know that I could do that at that time. Right, because there's a thing of like, if you can't, if you can't figure out what what's going on, it'll give you like a little tutorial. It'll just uh, kind of pop up every now and then. And I didn't need it for a lot of the other colossi, right. but for some reason... It was so counterintuitive that I had to turn around and look at the thing that I was trying to escape from. I do remember that. I'm just watching a video. I do remember this one, and I also remember being very frustrated by this one. (laughs) I I figured it out eventually uh, because I was thinking, like, why is – I want to call him Aro. But, uh, (laughs) like, I I didn't know why he was there in this instance. And I was like, okay, he's probably here for a reason. Uh, um, I should point out, aggro uh, is actually, <laughs> whichever you prefer, we'll all pronounce it a sure. different way. Agro is apparently a she. Ego <gasps> is a she? Apparently. <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> oh, man. That's I, cool. That's fine. Anywho, but I do want to bring up, like, the story overall in terms of, like, the progression that happens. Sure. Because mm-hmm. the ultimate goal, like, the... This, this game was hugely important in the discussion of what makes art, basically. Mm-hmm. Are video games art? And I think oh, that yeah. at this point in our lives, we can all agree video games are an, expe- are an expression of creativity, so therefore they can count as art. They're definitely they art. art. Depends on the game. Are they fine art? I'm not quite sure. I haven't played Journey yet, so I don't oh, know. Okay, well, ju- we were just talking about that. I was just about to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that honestly game is art. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. Uh, my mom, she does not play video games. She's never been a video game player. Basically, she has a PlayStation because she had a, a kid at her house who had mm-hmm. a PlayStation. So she has it. And I downloaded Journey on there. And I was like, Mom, just play this game. And she's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. A week later, she's like, okay, how do I get, how do, what do I do now? And she was like, this is, I, I, she, I never play games, she says. I've never played games, but I'm into this. She's like, mm-hmm. she's a therapist, and she's like, this is therapeutic. I, I got to just say, my mom, she's like a, she's a principal, so she had to put this big seminar on for like a big, it was like for the whole school division or something, <laughs> and she was doing like a, it was like for relaxation, is controlling your stress. Yeah. Stress. And she asked me if I had any songs, and I took a song from the game Flower, which is also oh, made yeah. by the, yep. the same people. And so she was kind of blown away that it was from a video game. Yeah. She, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that it's an untapped, like it's it's not. It, it video games are gaining the respect mm-hmm. that they deserve because there's so much. Like there's way more work that goes into these than like, like. A, I don't want to say a film because big. Oh, don't films. you dare! Don't you dare! I, Millions of people need those jobs. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like there are, are a lot of a lot of things that people don't really think about when when making a video game because they're you can't anticipate the player's choices so yeah. they have Mm-mm. to account for all those different those different paths that the player might take and it's it's amazing that we get the games that we get but mm-hmm. I, I i think video games and video game companies are can, can be kind of you can, there's kind of a, a, 
a similarity there between them and, and movie studios where you get movie studios like, you know, whatever Michael Bay's studio is that just turns out <laughs> just garbage every year. I don't no. does he have one? Yeah. I know yeah. Zach I know Zach um, Snyder had Platinum, one. Platinum Dune. Oh, Platinum yeah, Dune. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they just turn out like garbage movies and they're just like movies made by uh, like a boardroom, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got these little indie studios that make really great, amazing works of art that maybe necessarily don't, aren't played by everyone or aren't seen by everyone. They're fi- yeah, but but anyone who's lucky enough to absorb them mm-hmm. are infinitely better for it. And I think that Journey, Shadow Colossus, um, Inside, uh, Pe- Pe- uh, Fez. Fez is okay. another great game. Mm-hmm. All these indie games that are, you know, don't have a huge budget, don't have like teams of thousands of people working on them, but th- they're they're so much better for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they, definitely. And that doesn't mean, and they don't skimp. They don't skimp on any kind of uh, quality in terms of no. the look either, because. Uh, just looking at the remastering of uh, Shadow of the Colossus. It's a simplistic, very minimalist kind of design, but it's still beautiful to look at oh. and beautiful to experience. I found like, myself stopping and just looking yeah, around. Totally. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of screenshots. I filmed a lot of <laughs> video while playing through it, and it was really I couldn't good. believe it when I was watching the video. I was Because I, I remember playing the old PlayStation 2 game where you could actually still see the pixels, <laughs> yep. whereas now it's like... I was I was blown looks, away watching it. It's insane. It looks and I, I didn't think this at first, but I think it it does feel like a game that would have released today, like mm-hmm. like now. I think that uh, it doesn't like it feels like it would have been made by kind of like an indie studio, like maybe like not a triple A studio, but like just in between an indie and a triple A studio, mm-hmm. just because it's so beautiful, but it's so simple, yeah. you know, like any it's so accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, accessible is an interesting word because gameplay-wise it is accessible. But the other thing that I need to bring up in terms of the overall story about Shadow of the Colossus and why it's so fascinating compared to modern games even is that it's incredibly dark thematically speaking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because um, one thing that we haven't mentioned is that after you defeat each Colossus, these shadowy, oh. te- these shadowy tendrils come out of each creature and they are they're absorbed into your body yeah you try to run away and they're just like and they sad music yeah as you slowly and even the sad music when you are watching the colossus fall it's tragic yeah you feel bad exactly I will say this from my perspective the ending is perfect yeah it is just so artfully done it is so it's just it just plays out for a long period of time you're never bored you're just transfixed on what's happening around you and it's Mm -hmm. just so beautifully immersive while also being very poignant all the way through yeah, should we get into full spoiler of what happens in the end end, or should we leave that kind of out for... Let's leave it out. All right, yeah, we'll leave it out. Because it's, cause it's, there's an it's end. pretty amazing. We'll just say there's an end. There's, an, yeah. yes. we'll there's a very let, definitive end, yeah. We'll let we'll let the listener discover this yeah. game. Because it is, uh, we all can agree that this is a great game, just regardless. Yeah. Absolutely. 
there are a little gripes and stuff like that in the gameplay or something like that. Like, I wish that aggro would actually run, like, real top speed regardless of where you were turning and stuff yeah. like okay. that. Yeah. So, so the makers of this game made... Um, uh, Ico, and they uh, also made... Uh, the Last Guardian. Last Guardian. Okay, so Last Guardian, I was looking forward to forever. I was too. Finally came out. And I didn't even finish it. I was so frustrated by it because the controls are very similar to this game, but way tougher because you've got this gigantic bird monster that follows you around. And it's tough when you're trying to tell an AI creature to do something. And your progression in the game depends on that. Sim similar to uh, Ego. Uh, <laughs> Ego? You <laughs> uh, were trying to get some AI creature to do what you need it to do, and mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. So that frustration kind of, yeah, that, that, that happens. Yeah, that, that game has... It has a very, it has a very good story uh, type to it. it. has It has a very effective like character story, but it's very aggravating at the same time. More aggravating Don't than this it. game. Uh oh. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not. I, okay. said, I, I already got it out. Yeah. Okay. You good. guys all know what I'm. <laughs> but we say. should uh, probably uh, take a break now because right. we should start talking about some of the points that we were sure. uh, yeah. discussing before. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break after which we are going to carry this discussion into a little bit of a quandary about what we have dared to call the video game curse. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're back. Here we go. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back. Yes. Yes, yes. And uh, Jackson's here, too. <laughs> Hello. Uh, but we have uh, now come to a discussion that needs to be brought up. Uh, since you brought up Tomb Raider, mm. we do have uh, the question of there have been there's been such a long history of attempted uh, video game adaptations over the years. Break it down mm. from the first one. You got... Super Mario Brothers. Uh, you, got you know what? Street Fighter. When I was a little mm. kid, I kind of liked it. No, it's so okay, bad. Okay, but I was I was a child hey, with a with a mush brain. I was yeah. not your age. As opposed to an adult with a yeah. marginally less mush yeah. brain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, okay, so, yeah. So you got Super Mario Brothers. You got Street Fighter. You got Mortal Kombat, which, as similar to you, I thought Mortal Kombat when I was a kid was. We got great. all the Resident Evils. Mm -hmm. We got Doom. You have Hitman that came out in 2007. Yeah. And then you get the and other And then we one. got the other one that yeah. came out a few years ago. You got we got Prince of Persia. Oh. We have Assassin's Creed. Ooh. We, we have Warcraft. Warcraft. Yeah, you got Tomb Raider with uh, Jolie, Tomb Raider, and you know now what? a new Tomb Raider. You know what? Guilty Pleasure, Silent Hill. I like Silent You know Hill. what? I've, well, heard, I've heard people say that they are not too angry about I those think, movies. I think the first one... The first one is very I watchable. The, I think the first one works by yeah. itself. It doesn't have to be a... It does and it doesn't. Because this is the thing with video game movies, is that at a certain point, you feel like you're just sitting on a couch watching someone else play the video game. Yeah. It's totally. tough to get away from that. because And if they stray too far from the source material, then it's not really, doesn't feel like the game anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the problem with video game movies is that um, the protagonist in video games usually uh, acts as a vessel for the player. So they don't have like this, this, oh, this, clearly goes for only certain games and i know there are other games that flesh out their main characters a lot but you play as the main character so you are doing these actions and it resonates with you more but it's it's a little tough 
to 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 translate that that empty vessel for that the player is supposed to attach onto and flesh them out into a character that they don't really recognize because they think that they're that character. If that makes sense, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Like my best example, um, because I'm such a Halo nut, is Master Chief. He is clearly a vessel to make you feel badass. Right. I don't know. If Absolutely. But, yeah. Um. So like, I don't know how they would translate that onto into a film version. But you look. Get, you look at a game like Doom, for example. Like <laughs> Doom. Doom guy has no personality right. whatsoever. He is just there to look butch, uh, <laughs> like in his screenshot or something like he that. He does it. He does it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you brought up a few games. You said Doom. You said Halo. You said Zelda. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking Shadows of the Colossus. These are all games where you've got a predominantly mute protagonist. And those are games where I think the protagonist is like a, a surrogate for the player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to say right. before. But however... Games like Duke Nukem or The Last of Us, which they're talking about making into a movie. Yeah. And these are games where the characters that you're playing as have personalities. They have voice actors. They have dialogue. They have a personality. So you feel connected to them, but you feel like you're you're not them. You're no. playing them mm-hmm. as a character, but you're not really – you're controlling their you're actions. You're guiding them, Right. Basically. You're guiding them along on their journey, but they still have the personality. And I think that characters like that lend themselves a little bit better to being made into a movie, but obviously – Every single example of a movie we've made so far is just garbage. <laughs> but the but the thing that really is, um, Shadow of the Colossus is another ge- video game that has been in the talks for a really long time. And most recently, I should probably bring this up now because it is relevant to this to the discussion. They have a director. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, uh, but he was the director <laughs> of the remake of the It movie. Oh, really? Um, what really? Yes. When was that announced? Uh, this was announced back in 2014. Oh, okay. Originally, it was going to be Josh Trank who oh, uh, directed geez. this before he went on to Star Wars until he went on to Chronicle. Fantastic Four. No, he did, Chron- <laughs> he did Chronicle, and yes. then he was fired from Star Wars. Well, this Wars. was after. Yeah. Uh, this was after Man. Chronicle. It was yeah. a, this was originally announced in 2012. Judging from Chronicle, you can understand why it would have gone to him at that time. But then everything else happened. So, okay. Oh, yeah. Andrew Muschietti. Andre. Sorry. Andre, sorry. Uh, Andy. That's, that's Andre listed in IMDb. Muschietti. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But I don't know how you translate a movie with a mute protagonist, or well, rather a game, into also, a movie. I just don't think that this... Okay, the game has a lot of content and a lot of meat, mm-hmm. but as from a story perspective... You're you're kind of just repeating the same thing yeah. over and over in the game. I mean, nobody wants to watch a, a mute protagonist like just fight sixteen different. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'd be co- it's kind of cool, but like, I mean, I, I can't see this really trans. It's it's just doing the same thing over and over a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to uh, bust your bubbles a little <laughs> bit here because there has been, uh, from what I understand, from a report from WhatCulture.com. Uh, there is a script for this film. Okay. It was written by the same man who wrote Joe Wright's movie, Hannah, which I have not seen, so very I can't... Good. It's very good? Very good. Okay, yeah. then. I'll Seth, let... Seth Lockheed. Lo- Lockhead. Lockheed. Yes, Seth Lockhead. Yeah. Thank you. From BC. Hey! Yeah, Canadian. Mm. Nice Canadian yeah. connection. But the big thing that I've heard from this uh, report from whatculture.com is... The script's kind of garbage right now. I mean... Apparently, uh, Wander in the video game has a very vague story. He has no backstory whatsoever. Right. He's completely silent for the most part, aside from a few grunts and uh, (laughs) screaming Agro's name. And they turned him 
into a fast-quipping ex-slave. No. That's like... They're got... This is like the Prince of Persia reboot game. I was just going to say, like, I can just imagine the board of directors from whatever remains of the Weinstein Company probably being like, Oh, God, don't. (laughs) Sorry. You can cut that part. Uh, Uh, No, I'm going to keep that in. That's all you, bro. (laughs) Sorry. I'll I'll fall on that sword. I just, I can imagine the board of directors being like, okay, who's young and hot right now? Who can we cast as this guy? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. (laughs) You know what? You just got a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, he'd have an easy time climbing up the colossi, you know. But I think that uh. that's—I <laughs> think that that's what, like, that's what they think makes it palatable for American audiences. Mm-hmm. That's what they had to do with Prince of Persia to, like, they had to whitewash it or give it a familiar <sighs> face because they can't put some unknown, you know, Middle Eastern face on there because mm-hmm. that won't put butts in the seats. No, that's a bi- that's a big problem in Hollywood in general. Yeah. We've been seeing a huge backlash against that recently, which we have been getting some uh, response from to some extent, but it's not all there completely yet. Mm-hmm. And this also ties into Shadow of the Colossus as well, because according to uh, Watt Culture, like in this world, in the world of the Shadow of the Colossus, uh, the culture is vaguely Japanese and Eastern yep. European yeah, blend yeah. kind of thing. They turned them apparently into sexy savages kind of oh. style. And we're just, it's just going further and further back. It's taking further steps backwards. Yeah. I mean, not to say that they can't make that. It's, it all depends on the writing. Like mm-hmm. if the guy who wrote it, if the guy who wrote Hannah is doing it, that movie is very good. It has lots of subtlety. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Blanche is a great villain. She's a very well-drawn protagonist. She is doesn't say a lot for for good chunks of the movie. Um, so if you get him in his kind of like nice, good movie writing sensibilities, making something like that, it could be maybe good. Can we sp- kind of speculate how we think this could work? Well, we are going to. Sure. We do have. You gotta, uh, you give we do have a uh, theory have... side of this. Uh, we'll just wrap this one point up, sure, however, yeah. because um, I do have one point that I completely forgot what I was going to say. Now <laughs> we, can, we can cut it back in. If you oh God! I was going to. Oh, I remember now. Okay. Because they're going to be telling a lot of the backstory in flashbacks. Oh, God! Let's. Okay, maybe I should have just forgotten about that. You know because what? That's just like the definition of like telling and not sh- like they could show stuff, but you know. Okay, so as Precom students, it's just drilled into our heads. Show, show don't, don't tell. tell. Mm-hmm. You know, you can maybe do, if they- go, you can do no. a lot with like less is more. You can do a lot with like very little minimal things. If you're doing flashbacks and stuff like that, that's just like sometimes the laziest way to ex- to do exposition okay. and backstory. Well, wh- what I was gonna suggest is the I think the only way that this movie is gonna work if it does, is that they start before the game begins. Because there is a story there about how he got the sword, because he clearly stole it. Sure. And you need this you need this sword to get to this to get to this ancient plane. I yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but and I think that they should cut the number of Colossi down a lot. Yeah. I think that there should was- only be like four or three. Um I would not see if you cut too many of them out you anger a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we each, That's true. We each have our own favorite uh, Colossus. Like there's a couple of them that I feel like are necessary for them to be there in order to remain faithful to the source material while also pleasing fans. I would say the first Colossus mm-hmm. and the last Colossus need to be there. And since, he, since it's the fan favorite, 
phalanx should be there you know as well. I think there are a lot of colossus or colossi though that that kind of they're not the same, but they kind of repeat. Yeah. So, like they're they're very similar to other colossi, and mm-hmm. I think that they could cut those ones out and just kind of show the different uh, like the different environments. So like you could have like one in the water, one in the air, one walking through the plains. Uh, you could have uh, one of the one, the little ones that sprints at you. You know, like the little the ones that are like kind of like a little dog. So I don't know. So in my head, just thinking about how the story would work, you would have to have. Yeah, some kind of like there have to be a threat. Like a Colossus, beating the Colossus just for being the sake of beating the Colossus doesn't really work as a movie. It'd have to be like they would need to be some kind of threat to a village of people or something like that. That's how like a good way to like get into it. Okay, and that at least gives the character some kind of motivation to beyond just bring his dead person back. Yeah, <laughs> some kind of stake. Well, you could find. I think you could find that motivation in the previous story because. There's something happened before before this game began because mm. the other village people followed him and they were clearly upset with what he was doing. Um, so I think you could do something with that. You he could get motivation from the village, and I think he because the whole thing with Shadow of the Colossus is Wander has good intentions, mm-hmm. but it just screws everybody else over. Uh, from what I interpreted from the ending, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, because it's kind of selfish. Yeah, it's it's kind of selfish, but you. I think that's the fun. That's the that's the awesome part about Shadow of the Colossus is it warps your expect, expectations because you think you're doing the good thing the whole time, right? And in the end, it's you're you've screwed everybody over. He's very selfishly trying to probably bring this person back from the dead mm-hmm. by beat by defeating all these colossus. It's a very self-serving, selfish goal. Mm-hmm. But and I think because you're taking down all these giant monsters, you feel kind of righteous about it. I think way. I think you can take that twist though, and that can That's be inter- yeah. that could be like the main thing of the film. You don't need like an I don't think I don't want like an over overbearing like evil presence. I think I think the cool I I like the the aspect of like the gods. They seem like they're they're helping you mm-hmm. along this journey and they're guiding you. And then they you don't I, know your you don't know their motives until yeah. much later right. in the game. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I like that. I think you know what? I don't know. I, the only thing is the dialogue. Yeah, and I don't know how you get you get past that, man. Because you ha- you can't just have him talking to no one. Yeah. For but an I, hour I, and a half. I'm sorry. There is a way to tell story uh, to se- to tell this story in a silent fashion, almost like you can even. Um, it is very difficult to expect any writer to actually like. Set, to actually write a character who is so quiet, unless of course that writer is Nicholas Vending Refn from Drive or right, something. Right, but then he's got everyone else around him talking, and he's very quiet. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah, like but Ryan Gosling's character in Drive. Like he doesn't say much, but you've got all these other characters who are giving you tons of exposition and dialogue and, and situations. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get that in Colossus unless the horse starts. It's like played by Eddie Murphy or something. Oh like that. God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Donkey. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help it. Oh my God. Uh, uh, but yeah. yeah, like I, I'm starting to see how this film could come together, but they really, really have to get the script right. Like yeah. I can see a three act structure and it's like before this whole thing, uh, during like when you're fighting the f- whatever how many colossus and then the f- the climax yeah which mm-hmm. is clearly the f- either you the gotta fi- have some kind of turn there where you're not really sure if you're rooting for him anymore at the yeah. end mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that yeah well I mean there's the climax the no game. I know like I the, understand yeah. that but like even before the climax there has to be some kind of some kind of turn something to I think you should be rooting for him the whole thing because then at the end your emotions just that's get what I mean yeah okay. so yeah. thrown off yeah. 
but mm. I can see it. It really just depends on the script. Yeah. It mm-hmm. really just matters because it's so tough because there's only one, there's really only one character that could do any talking. That, see, that's the priest character, yeah. yes? Well, I mean, I mean, there is only one character that you most, like you follow Wander the whole, the whole film. So if there's nobody talking, it would be either, either they could go the very risky route and have him not talk. But I think that there's a very interesting kind of predicament that writers have who who make video game adaptations in that they're serving two audiences, really. You've got people who like the video game, and they're Mm -hmm. expecting one thing, and then people who maybe want to see the movie, have never heard of the video game, never played it, they still want those people to go see the movie. Mm -hmm. They don't just want the audience to be made up of people playing the game. So you you have to make it palatable to them, too, but also... Be, do like some fan servicey things to people who have a deeper appreciation of the game, yes. and it, or even to team team Eco or team Ico's uh, fan base. You can even have like little references yeah. to the games like Ico or even maybe the Last Guardian in there because there yeah. are fans of that game. Oh. I would argue that the best video game movie that has ever been made is actually not based on a video game, and that is, is Wreck-It Ralph. Ah, uh, I was going to say Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. No, isn't that a comic? That's it is on- a comic, but people call it a video game movie sure. in the sense that you relive the same experience again yeah. and again you and again. You could very easily manga. see that being a video game. But Wreck-It Ralph is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is so good, and it's not even a real video game, but I want to play Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> um, um, it is good. It's yeah. so good, and it's and I love all the like video game references in it and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I I think that translating some video game properties. I mean, they're talking about making a Last of Us ga- uh, movie. And, I would is, buy that more than uh, than a Shadow of the Colossus game, though. But okay, now this is something that we were talking about before, like months ago when we were st- first started talking about this. Was like that game is so well developed and so well established. And the characters are so, are so unique in that game that if they made a movie, like, I don't know, why. Well, how can you improve on that? It's already such a great game. Yeah. Why does it need to be a movie? Hmm. Like, I think that, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's always, that money. <laughs> it, I feel like that's always going to be the answer. Yeah, like Graham right. Hooson said the exact same thing when we were talking about Red Rising right. uh, a money. couple weeks ago. It's like money, the yeah. only thing that matters. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's a good point. We should probably, uh, wrap up this section but i feel like there are other things that i'm missing just a little bit but i think that there is one possibility in terms of like creating um like in terms of marketing this movie to new demographics i feel like the kaiju uh genre is popular Mm -hmm. enough to really get people interested in this kind of battling giant monsters and stuff like pacific rim from 2013 it's getting a uh okay i wasn't sure that was an excited is it good that was (laughs) a good uh i love this movie like i'm a del taro fanboy and we've already established that on shadow of the colossus let's do it (laughs) oh man he was actually gonna executive produce this movie at one point i would watch that he would make him feel heavy and that's what i want totally No, hundred percent. Yeah. I love. That's what I love about Pacific Rim. They feel like heavy, got, hulking, yeah. giant monsters. Not like Transformers. They're just <laughs> flipping all over the place, <laughs> yeah. and they're so agile, and it doesn't make any sense for their size. And but in terms of the uh, the appeal of like getting uh, fans of the game into the into the experience would be interesting enough. But I feel like in terms of like getting the right colossi into the game, I would be. We've all we all have our favorites. We all have our least favorites, and we all have this idea that 
each new colossus which should be a new challenge mm-hmm. for Wander as he uh, fights them. But there is one question that I like to pose you guys. Do you know about the unused colossi? No, I knew there were no more, idea. but I didn't know. I don't know what. So originally the game, when uh, Ueda was uh, making the game, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, sir. Uh, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> when he was creating the game, he originally pitched 48 colossi, then whittled it, whittled it down to 24. Oh, my God, even that. <laughs> like, they're, what, what's, what's the average length of a, the, of a fight in this game? A fight? Like... Uh, I'm I'm on my second playthrough right now. I'm like on the on my seventh Colossus, and I've actually made it there in about an hour and forty minutes. But on so your first play, on my first play, I got it finished in like eight hours or something like that. And there's sixteen Colossus. Okay, yes. so about thirty minutes. And two hours of that was just wasting my life trying to get away from Dirge. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I yeah I I beat the game in. Th- Five hours total. I think. Mm-hmm. So. so twenty-four. Wait, forty-eight to start. That's what initially what they had. Initially, oh yes. My God, dude. But there, uh, there are still like designs on uh the online for the different types of creatures that could have been used. Like there was a monkey design. There was one similar to a griffin. Oh yeah. There was another flying giant creature called the rock. One called the phoenix and. Uh, yeah, a, a lot. A lot of a literal, very, a literal sandworm. A as lot well. of them have very animalistic character uh, qualities. Like, there's one that's very much like an elephant. One that's like a giant gorilla. One that looks like an eel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there are like uh, there is a possibility to play around with that formula in terms of making new designs mm-hmm. for the colossi, and I feel like that's one of the cases where it would be interesting to see a new version of uh, these these creatures or a new variation on these creatures because but the thing is sorry to cut you off no Uh, it's okay the thing is the reason that um people would like they 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 would be making this video game movie to try and reach that that audience the people who who are fans of shadow of the colossus and i feel like he can't be everything for everyone i know but that's like why else would you make the movie it's a beloved series so they're clearly trying to reach that audience i get that money i get (laughs) i get that they're they're gonna reach they're gonna try and reach other audiences too but their primary like target is this is this fan base and i don't think that they would take out those like you like you said that people have their favorite colossus so i don't think they would replace them with ones that they've never seen before as cool as a concept as that is i mean maybe i I don't think that like it's basically like taking your favorite character why would you make a halo movie without master chief you know what i mean it's kind of like but there's so because there's so much lore behind there i feel there is a lot of lore but but you also (laughs) want to give people something new like if if people who play the game are you know, expecting everything they they're calling it the whole way, and it's not surprising for them. That's not very exciting either. It's you want to give them something surprising and fresh. If mm-hmm. they're if you're just giving them exactly what they want, they might walk out of it thinking it's the best. They might walk out of it thinking, yeah, I did that. You know, a couple of years ago when I played it. Um, but it's in, it's funny that you brought up Pacific Rim because thinking about it, there's only like what like three big kaiju battles in that movie or four? Yeah, yeah, uh, f- three. Three. Well, the like the one. other ones are like the other ones are like in the background yeah. or on televisions and stuff like that, which is still more fights than you get in the Godzilla remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the first one, you got the big one in the in the downtown area, and then you got the end, the underwater, the underwater one. Underwater yeah. one. <sighs> yeah, so that's I mean, and uh, granted, in those scenes, you've got 
two, three, four kaiju in one fight. So you could have like a few different colossi in one oh, scene. Oh, wow. But you would probably need more than one wander in order to fight them all. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess don't know. True. You could use some big teeth and make it one fight for you. <laughs> oh, if he took control of a colossus to oh. fight another colossus. See? Hollywood. Please get, give get us a, a call. Hold, yeah, get a hold We're of writers. us. We're writers. We, we can write. Uh, I probably would fail. <laughs> I got a solid B on my, on my screenplay. <laughs> That's I really good for Creek. <laughs> I got an A. Nice, congrats. Whoa, nice. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, that's totally that's me okay. brag. Humble brag, yeah. So anyway, um, we're going to be taking a break now. We're going to come back just to postulate on other potential uh, video games that could be made into movies at some point, just to round things out a little bit and then bring it around to Shadow of the Colossus just a little bit briefly afterwards. So we'll be right back. Is there an echo in here? <laughs> Welcome back to the uh, guy fanboying about Guillermo del Toro podcast. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I have mentioned him every other episode. I don't see how you couldn't. Uh, but we are going to wrap this up just by postulating what does what is material that could potentially be a good video game movie. Well, there's the uh, animated Mario movie in the works by Illumination. I'm looking forward to it. Are you actually? Actually. Are you actually? I genuinely am because I think that you can't do Mario right unless it's animated. You can't get a guy. You can't get yeah. Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo playing the okay, Mario but brothers. To be fair, John uh, Bob Hoskins. He sold it. He sold the shit out of it. He but, had the Sorry, sh- I don't know if we're allowed to... I'm go- I'm probably gonna censor a couple. He of had things. he had the worst script to work. Totally. with. Totally. But they he, were mostly high and man. drunk while making that movie. Yeah. Experiences oh, of them talking. I've heard the director read... poured coffee on an extra because they didn't look yeah. dirty enough. Which director? There's like four yeah, different yeah, directors yeah, yeah, on yeah, that yeah. movie. There were a couple. Okay. So so you were saying Mario. It I'm goes not... it goes back to the whole like doesn't really talk thing. I don't really want Mario saying things. I mean, like, okay, he. T- I would say he's more verbal than a lot of other video game protagonists who don't say a lot, because he at least has that like <laughs> Italian inflection, and he can mm-hmm, say stuff, okay. and you can you know, you can imagine his voice. You can in the back I, of your head. I yeah, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. Yahoo! It's me, Mario. Like so they're gonna, says, that's gonna be so annoying. <laughs> that whole movie is gonna be so annoying. Uh, hopefully, they, I know. <laughs> that, oh, what are you doing? It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say for me, and it's funny that I wore this shirt today. Oh, Aperture Laboratories. Now we got got another mute protagonist here. Chell is mute, but Portal Mm -hmm. is hands down my favorite game. Portal Portal has so much to work with. Yes. There's a there's, lo- there's so, so much, much dialogue in there. There's so much showing and not telling in that game. There's so much backstory that you want to know more about, and they give you these little breadcrumbs here and there. Even but there's though... such a huge the idea of having a freaking portal gun and mm-hmm. using the the like gr- they made a short that came out a couple years yes. ago. Yeah, very well produced. It's awesome. She doesn't say a lot in it. I don't think she says anything in it, but it's great. Okay, I, but I, I encourage your listeners to check it out. The thing is with that. GLaDOS does a lot of talking. 
That's fine. But here's that's, the thing. That's here's good. The, here's the thing about Gladys, though. She has a sarcastic wit so, about her. So funny. And e- but and I e- mean, she can carry the story. Yeah. She can she can guide the person through the story. When and you don't need the protagonist to talk for that. But in Shadow of the Colossus, there's literally nobody talking until like maybe the last ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Gladys that's is such a great that's too. why I like Portal can work. Totally. I can totally. Especially, oh god, because Gladys in the in Portal Two, you you spend the first maybe third of the game. <laughs> you think that you're on her she thinks she's on your side and you think you're you're on the same team and you're just doing stuff for her and then there's this turn and you're like oh she's an evil monster mm-hmm. oh it's so <laughs> good okay so that's and me. it is it's actually very effective because the first game is only a couple of hours long yeah as i never well. played it okay you didn't play the first one? i couldn't find it <laughs> i don't i don't i mean i could buy oh, the orange i'm box. a little baffled okay. now you not? Okay, so well, you're a fan of portal 2 then yeah you're suggesting an adaptation of portal 2 sure Okay. <laughs> I think Portal 2 was was a better version of Portal 1, I assume. I, you don't even know that. I assume. genuinely think that as a single player game Portal 1 is better. And then but Portal 2 is clearly like has multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So why would you pass that up? I guess I should play it, but I just I so I got my next gen system well past the t- when Portal 1 came out, but that was more, like I got my PS3 right when Portal 2 was coming out and it's being marketed like crazy. Yeah. I was like I got to get this game mm-hmm. and then play through it like a crazy person over a weekend and I just loved it. Every yeah, yeah. every second of it and I replay it so many like at least once every couple of years I'll replay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that is a really good cho- that is a really good choice though. Uh mine my personal pick uh is a little bit more ambitious, but I feel like it's still lends itself so much to a storytelling. This is another case where I feel like the story of this game uh, resonates just as much as the atmosphere and the combat, and that's Bioshock. Yes, de- that I would mean, work. Now, Hasn't I've, Guillermo del Toro been attached to make that one? Or no, no, no. Um, Gore Verbinski. Gore Verbinski. Now, this is, uh, yeah, that's exactly my point here is the thing. Um, this game has been, um, like... I'm going to be perfectly honest. I still haven't played uh, Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. I'm going to eventually. But uh, Bioshock 1 was such a revelatory experience in terms of, like, we're talking about, again, a story about a mute protagonist who basically is literally dumped into this sudden, shocking experience where he ends up in this unknown universe and you are trying to traverse locations that are infested by corrupted people mm-hmm. and wildly violent robotic suits and just the world building is astounding in that game but what you remember the most are the twists you remember like you remember Andrew Ryan and his megalomaniacal ways and so forth yeah. and you remember certain characters that are, that resonate in the back of your head and you think how did i not see that coming oh my god <laughs> it's a it's a great game unquestionably like I guess what we should say is that if you haven't played these games yet, play these games. Absolutely, play oh, yeah. these games. The ones we're talking about, even the indie ones that are, would, like, I can't, like, Fez is so good, and mm-hmm. Inside, and Limbo. Oh, Limbo. Oh, man, that game is Inside so good. Inside and Limbo are Yeah, fantastic. same the, studio, I think, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I own the box set of that. Nice. But the thing about Bioshock uh, that also concerns, that still concerns me, though, like, there has been more talk than any other video game outside of Assassin's Creed, uh, which I was a f- 
which I'm a huge fan of, only to find out that I would be disappointed by a movie starring Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, and Jeremy Irons, of all people. I mean, but that's a great cast, though. Like That, again, that is a great cast. No, it had a good director, yeah, too, Justin Kurtzel yeah. from Macbeth. Right, and like when they... Oh, man, and that Macbeth movie is solid. Oh, yeah. Um, like, when they were marketing Assassin's Creed, I was like, I think... Every time they come out with a new video game movie, I'm like, maybe this they've done it. it. This could be it. They've cracked the code. And then they just don't. But the, and with and in the case of Bioshock, the studios are always getting cold feet to some extent. Totally. And uh, to, to some extent, I wonder if that's because these games are very mature. Uh, oftentimes, Shadow of the Colossus lets less so. Mm-hmm. But in the case of mm-hmm. Bioshock, which is a horror game and an action game and that kind of immersive world building game, which is also incredibly violent. You remember the shock of fighting your first big daddy and stuff like that. Yeah. And the big thing that has been scaring off a lot of uh, the movie studios is that they're trying to market it to teenagers. Well, they got to make a PG-13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to do with Shadows of the Colossus. I think, oh, yeah, for it. sure. Yeah. Like, there is hardly any blood except for the black stuff that comes out yeah. of the uh, creature's heads and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else we were talking about was, and this is kind of like a side thing, not really is about uh, the Uncanny Valley in video games. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I came up in the time when video games were just getting really good. Super Nintendo was good. It still left a bit to be desired, though. You could you could play a game. You could it's play. really getting there, though. It's well, Okay, so playing, in, su- su- playing Super Nintendo, you can see the pixels, and you're like, I can. I, this doesn't look like the world that mm-hmm. we live in, that we occupy. I can see how this would get better. And then N64 came out, and the characters looked... A little bit better. They still kind of blockish, but they started to look more realistic. <laughs> and then PlayStation Four. I remember and playing uh, Tony Hawk's Underground and being like, "Oh yeah. my god, they look like real people." Yeah. Well, I remember <laughs> playing Wave Racer and Pilot Wings on N64 and be like, "This is it. This is the high water yeah. mark. Well, it's never gonna get better than this." Uncharted. The Uncharted games were astounding so in their good. designs. Yeah. Um. And but now we're getting to this point where. I don't know. Can, how much better can video games get? The Last of Us, those characters look so good and so mm-hmm. well-developed that if they were to make a movie of it, I, I don't know how you cast an actor to play Joel that looks more like Joel than Joel. You know? <laughs> like, Joel is Joel. Ellie is Ellie. That's what the characters look like. Well, they could, have ca- they could have cast Ellen, Ellen Page, Page. Yeah, except that she was already providing her face to another game right. and ultimately suing them for ca- yep. because of it. Yeah, so that. that's out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, they look, they, they look like people with emotions and faces and facial hair and and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff that makes a person a person so how do you, who do you cast like tom cruise not tom cruise but like who do you like <laughs> I don't tom know. hardy tom maybe hardy, maybe but even Ooh. then it's like joel if joel what if he cast if they had anyone who didn't look identical to joel mm-hmm. it would it would take me out of it well and i don't know if i can come back from that you know that's a that's a fair point actually yeah. but yeah. we do need to just like, just looking at all of these different options, does it even make sense to adapt Shadow of the Colossus into a movie at the moment? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, especially movies are so expensive now. You got to really give people bang for their buck and you got to make it worth their time. It, it all comes down to writing. If they can't get the script right and make it something that you don't read it and immediately get revulsed by, or get revulsion by, like, oh, yeah, they made him a wisecracking young whippersnapper. It's like, ugh, well, that's the Hollywood, thing. Why? This is, that's the thing. It all comes down. Like the reason that they're the only reason they would do this is for money because 
But like, it shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, but the thing is, Hollywood plays it safe now. They don't like how many brand new IPs are we getting? Uh, to, yeah. Like how on many, a regular basis? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're they're constantly either remaking movies or they're adapting books. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or they're 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 they are taking sort like material from sources that already have followings, so they can mm-hmm. play it safe. Okay, but we're under the 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 presupposition or pre- whatever. We're we're. The supposition. The supposition, thank you, that this would be a big Hollywood movie. What if Netflix did this? What if this was like a direct-to-Netflix, doesn't need to be huge. Like, they they can make big movies without huge inflated Marvel Studios mm-hmm. budgets and still make them very good. We do have Oakja in that yeah. film's defense, I suppose. That and, is one example. And where... Anne Hathaway was in one where there was like a monster. Oh, Colossal. Yeah. One thing, because <laughs> yeah. both of you said your uh your movie that you would want adapted sure but we haven't really talked about uh animated uh like i think other than mario oh, but okay I hear but you yep. if you look at castlevania it got adapted into an anime recently and that was very well received i've been meaning to watch that recently um, yeah but like for me i think personally i would want an overwatch film because they hint at the story it's kind of like there's there is an overarching story there and you can put it together yourself if you want if you go into the extended material and stuff but they have a ton of characters to work with that that, that people clearly love and mm-hmm. resonate and are immediately like captivating and i, I think like, have you guys watched any of i don't know if any of you play overwatch but have you watched any of the the cinematic trailers that come my out? friend they're, introduced me yeah. to those yeah they're fantastic they're really good i could see it as like a i don't think pixar should helmet but i think i could see it as like a pixar type film yeah and i could totally see it working I, the only issue i could see with that is that there's so many characters to work with and i don't know which ones they would pick and choose because too many could inflate the film too much but i think i think animated films is probably the safer route you could do more with it for sure yeah we we kind of have danced around this a little bit but i think a big thing uh for this game a big inspiration for it is the legend of zelda which has always been talked about and people have ruminated about this forever about who they would cast how they would how Mm. it would work hayden christensen Uh, (laughs) well maybe maybe not not all. no i always thought um what's his name um from High School Musical. Zac Efron? Zac Efron would no be a pretty way. good Link. Yeah. Uh-uh. Um, he's got the face for it. I mean, he played Link I mean, in Hairspray. No, but... he's too old now to do it. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I don't. The Legend of Zelda that. has been like the holy grail of they haven't made it into a movie. Video and game thank movies. God they thank, haven't. because Almost. Kind of thank God. Yeah. I, don't, I think it needs to be untouched. Do you think that there are some video game titles that should forever just remain a video game and Zelda. they shouldn't even try <laughs> okay besides Zelda eh, Zelda yeah sure I don't know if I have any particular one like the the whole point of this podcast is that anything is possible Fair and enough. to a great extent I'm trying to find the positives sure. in a lot of different things uh but the big thing is right now I feel like there are so many different video games there are so many different styles of video games but there's always a certain type that gets sold there's always one that gets greenlit more consistently than any other one which is big spectacles with a lot of digital effects a lot of fight sequences and a lot of things that really need a lot of flash basically Mm -hmm. in order to get people with really short attention spans to pay attention and what you're losing from that 
is a sense of character. Totally. It's a sense of history. Even if you don't, uh, even if you don't know the history of Shadow of the Colossus, you feel like these characters have a certain lifestyle mm-hmm. outside of this world. Yeah. It's in the designs. It's in the way the way that he interacts with his horse, uh, with our with Agro, but also. When 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 you get too immersed in that, like Warcraft does, you lose the sense of humanity. You mm-hmm. lose the sense of connecting with these characters. And then Even, they try to shoehorn it in, and yep. it just feels forced mm-hmm. often. And honestly, I feel like this, more than any other uh, subject that I've discussed, I feel like video games video game fans and video game adaptations are the hardest to do successfully in terms of all the different kind of mechanics that go into uh making a video game it has to be uh it has to be an interesting story it has to have interesting characters but it also has to be immersive and it has to be it has to have that sense of improvisation to it like the unexpected mm-hmm. but it shouldn't just feel like you're sitting on a couch watching someone play Mm-mm. right that's the thing is and that with the silent hill movie you kind of get into that sometimes where she's just like walking down a little thing a uh, hallway dark hallway with a flashlight and you're just like okay i'm, I'm basically watching someone else play this video game right now <laughs> like, it's not that fun i guess i should say i should just say about silent hill i i watched that film without playing the game so watch like I'm basing it on its own merits. That's fine. And not from the But you should be able to do that. You should be able to separate the movie from the game and just judge the movie as a movie. Mm-hmm. I think we are getting there. Like, I think studios are kind of starting to understand that this is a whole different, like, ballpark they're playing in. They can't just go, like, create this film the same way that they create other films. They have to take specific steps. And I haven't seen Tomb Raider yet. That's basically, they did it, like, shot for shot of Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, uh, and right now... That's the best that they've got so far because 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, that's almost miraculous for a video game movie in terms of reception. I, I haven't seen it yet, so yeah. I can't speak to its qualities. But um, yeah, there is so much that needs to be uh, explored in terms of I wish this writer good luck. If, uh, <laughs> if, he ha- if, the, if, what I've, if what we hear about this script is true, I hope it's an early draft of the script. I hope they're just experimenting. I hope that this is a first idea, worst idea example. <laughs> yes, exactly. To tie it into our uh, advertising, yeah. uh, advertising. Yeah. Maybe it'll be mantra. a unique film. Oh God, I'm cringing already. <laughs> Record scratch. But I feel, but I feel like uh, there is still potential. Like there, as I know that we come across as a little bit. Um, sardonic and a little bit doubting there's nothing to say that they shouldn't try like if you can find the right amount of everything involved without making it feel disrespectful to anyone right without it feeling incredibly confusing or incredibly distancing for people who are unfamiliar with the game yeah because you risk alienating everyone who played the game who's who you're trying to appeal to in the first place yeah mm-hmm. yeah i hope they they just need the right level of nuance to make this work. And I'm, I'm, I'm not like, for me, it's not bated breath that, <laughs> that this will come out. I'd be perfectly fine if it stayed a video game, but if they make a movie, I hope they do it right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like the thing is, if it doesn't turn out well, the game is still there. 
That is Good absolutely point. true. We He's... still have the game. We will always have the game yep. in whatever generation you have it in. As yeah. long as they don't just like take the game and update everybody's game so that they have weird CGI that doesn't work from like 2001. <laughs> with, with, uh... It was like 2005 or six. Seven. <laughs> Seven, I think. The first game? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I was, I was saying like the prequels. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, I yeah, guess until they then. They can't really tarnish it. Uh, well, yeah, they can't tarnish the game, but until <laughs> they can make a crappy movie, but they can't tarnish the, well, they can't tarnish that experience that you had the first time you saw a Colossus. Well, yep. that is very true. In time, though, we will probably find out whether it happens. But until then, we're alone in the dark of that giant sword that's falling to crush us right now. Wait, the, what? I got the reference. Alone in the dark. Yeah, that you're referencing. Oh, there was a video game oh, called Alone. That was that totally was accidental. Oh, I love it. That's great because that's like on record as like the worst video game adaptation <laughs> ever made. That's perfect. Yes, yes, yes. I'm gonna cut everything else out <laughs> of that introduction. That is perfect. Yep. Good job. That out of that outro, nothing else matters. Perfect. I had a funny line and I don't care anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna make that look totally like me. <laughs> Hello again, and welcome to The Appendices, the segment where I look back on my old content and either expand on the subjects I couldn't discuss before, or just generally rip the episode you just heard to shreds. I was actually kind of nervous re-listening to this episode, because I did not know whether I was that great a host during the few shows I produced with other people in the studio. But listening back, I feel a bit better. This is the format that I want to follow in the second season, more focused on other creators and exploring different properties that they have a specific connection to. This is also a good example of the format for me because, from where I stand, I don't feel like I hog to the discussion very often. This is something I'm very self-conscious about, and it's the reason why I've only selected this and one other multi-person episode in this hardcover edition series. I made one reference in this show to another I had produced featuring another of my Krecom classmates, Graham Hoosen, who would go on to create and host the acclaimed local podcast Dragon the Peg. Graham joined me for a discussion about the YA novel Red Rising, a book they had recommended for the show despite the fact that neither of us liked it that much. It was interesting taking a source that was not our cup of tea and seeing if we could make some discussion out of it. For the most part, though, I've avoided releasing episodes wherein I talked about source materials I did not enjoy. However, the main reason why I haven't re-released the Red Rising episode, or the other episode we recorded on Katsuhiro Otomo's Akira, is very personal. I don't feel like I was a good host during either episode. I took over the discussion a bit too often for my liking, I interrupted them when they wanted to discuss something from their point of view, and I even had to record a good half hour's worth of discussion AGAIN because my recording session crashed. I did not feel happy with the results during either session, and I take full responsibility for that. Graham is a fantastic person, and they've achieved great success with Dragon the Peg. 
I've listened to the entire first season. I highly recommend it for people who, like me, severely lack insight into this part of Winnipeg culture. I'm also looking forward to season two coming this January, so I wanted to wish Graham the best of luck on that. Maybe one day I'll re-release those episodes, or you could scrounge through the internet to find what remains of them, but for the purposes of this series, I focused on stuff I feel more confident about. To some extent, I even wondered if by replaying Shadow of the Colossus, I would ultimately have to decide if the game had any replay value. As far as games about fighting giant monsters go, there isn't much that changes between playthroughs, unless you up the difficulty, which I started to do, but ultimately I left that playthrough behind for a while. However, when I did replay the game earlier this week on Normal Plus difficulty, around when I finished fighting Phalanx, it actually dawned on me. It's not the gameplay that gives it replay value. It is the story. It's the experience of becoming this character and seeing him triumph over these creatures for what he believes is a righteous cause, and seeing the weight of his actions continue to escalate. This being a game that I was familiar with, knowing the story in its totality actually amplified that, and it made me see so much of the tragedy and the poignancy of Wander's actions. Fighting the Colossi is still truly riveting. Every fall, every stab, every arrow shot, it draws you in, and that's part of the point. The brief rush of adrenaline as you conquer your latest foe, only to see its majesty destroyed for a cause you don't fully understand. There was a certain point this time through, as I approached the location of the last boss, and I just decided to ride towards the east of the gateway to look out over the cliffs at the ocean, something I hadn't bothered looking at before or even known I could do. As if becoming the character, I looked at my surroundings and at the rays of light emanating from the locations of all the previous colossi, and I just let the weight of my actions set in. I was becoming the writer and director of my own internal movie. I'm not going to go into detail about how that part of the movie ended, but it goes without saying that letting the story affect me to a profound degree was the reason to play this game and replay this game multiple times over. It was beautiful and heartrending. One of the most emotional experiences playing any popular game at the time. And that's coming from the guy whose favorite game of the decade, debatably, is Near Automata. There's nothing new on the production side of this film. No, literally, nothing has come up in regards to what people are saying about the script, if there have been changes to the format, or the tropes we discussed on the show. If anything, the film seems to have regressed since Andy Muschietti is not actually listed as the director on the film's IMDb page. Only three names are listed on said crew list. Screenplay by Seth Lockhead, earlier screenplay by Justin Marks, the writer of John Favreau's Jungle Book, and one announced producer, Kevin Misher, who recently produced Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell. So where's Andy Muschietti right now? 
Well, apparently he's the latest director trying to get DC's Flash off the ground, after which WB also has him lined up for their adaptation of... Attack on Titan. Really? Did y'all just get impatient waiting for him to get one giant humanoid monster fighting movie and just dump the most popular one on him instead? Granted, I don't know if Muschietti's name needs to be attached to Shadow of the Colossus for it to be a success. You could easily get somebody along the lines of a Del Taro, or I would even accept a Gareth Edwards. Despite my comments about the Godzilla movie he made, he does know how to make giant things look truly intimidating from a human perspective. Also, I'm starting to like Harris's idea of this being a Netflix release instead of a big cinematic blockbuster. If for no other reason that Netflix actually has a better quality track record than most studios these days. But this isn't over quite yet. Because if we're talking about one video game movie, we might as well discuss what happened to the genre since this episode's initial release. That's what the conversation essentially boiled down to when I reached out to Harris and Jackson on Facebook and asked them if they had anything to add in regards to this discussion. Unfortunately, most of what they had to add, or at least the only thing really substantial that I could help explore, was our reaction to Sonic the Hedgehog, both before and after the redesign. This was a weird discussion, but it was a fair discussion to have. I, like most people, was unnerved by the first trailer for the Sonic film. I may not know much about the Sonic brand personally, but if you've heard my last episode, you know I know something about alienating designs. So I could understand the often visceral reactions to this new, more realistic-looking, question mark, character. But in particular, the fan reaction to this design was noteworthy because Paramount and director Jeff Fowler ultimately took it to heart and decided to re-redesign the character to reflect the more cartoony nature of the character in the games. Here's where the conversation gets interesting. Should the game's fans claim ownership over the film and the character's look? Should they consider this film their property, or should they consider this the director and studio's vision? I can't give an easy answer to that question myself. Part of me does question why stray from the original character look in the first place. I don't play Sonic, but his design is up there with Mario's in terms of iconography, and trying to give him more human-like features strays significantly from the cartoonish charm. But then, part of me also questions how far fan reaction goes in our society these days. During my conversation with Harrison Jackson, I went on a tangent about different toxic fan bases in the broader pop culture. Harris was more of the opinion that this might not be the case of the fans being toxic, so much as just annoying. I later rephrased my statement to call these kinds of fans possessive although that's not much more complimentary. I'm certainly guilty of being defensive of some properties that I like and being vocal about my displeasure with their depiction. Again, my Cats episode is a pretty strong example. It's when the fans become especially cruel towards the filmmakers with threats and vicious insults that toxicity 
really becomes apparent. I don't know enough about the Sonic backlash to know if that happened, but what the three of us did understand and agree upon was that it was at least based on a tangible thing, i.e. the poor design choice. The director and studio did respond to the backlash in this case, and the result was a more appealing-looking character, so it's the rare case where the backlash resulted in at least some improvement to the property. That's not going to convince me that I need to see the movie, though. Nor, apparently, Jackson or Harris. None of us were anticipating this movie to begin with. And Harris even posed the question, if I could paraphrase a couple of things and string them together, what if all this hassle was all for nothing, and the movie turns out to be another Super Mario Brothers? I don't know if it will be that insane, but for my money, it mostly just looks like mindless entertainment for kids which is something I couldn't even say about Detective Pikachu. Oh yeah, I should probably mention that, too. I mean, it's only been 25 years, and we finally have a video game movie that has a Rotten Tomatoes score over 60%. We have our Citizen Kane of video game movies, people! I hyperbolize, of course. Because the film, for me, was basically a 7 out of 10. Although Jackson, who is a big Pokémon fan, really loved the movie, and I was surprised by how much I liked it too, because I grew up in proximity to Pokémon, but I didn't have nostalgia for it. The two of us agreed that the story wasn't mind-blowing, but it was entertaining. Jackson even noted that it was good to adapt a story-focused incarnation of the franchise, since the plots of the original Pokémon games were not that amazing either. I also liked the Ryan Reynolds brand humor stuffed in for adults throughout the film. However, if we can tie this into the Sonic discussion, the most impressive part about Detective Pikachu for me was how the designs of the Pokémon were realized in a way that made them look like naturalistic animals without being alienating from their anime counterparts. Whether they had fur, scales, or skin, they looked befitting of the characters, and the only creepy ones were those that were intentionally creepy. The film was very pretty to look at a lot of the time, and it's definitely satisfied a lot of people who loved the franchise when they were kids. Harris didn't have much to add on that front, having not seen that film yet, but he did add a few more points in regards to video game adaptations, Notably, he had watched the trailer for the recent Doom Annihilation film, and apparently thought it was the worst-looking piece of garbage to come out recently. Hey, quick tip from me to all you video game film producers out there. Never give your film the subtitle Annihilation. Unless you're producing an existential sci-fi film paying tribute to Andrei Tarkovsky, you're pretty much setting yourself up for ridicule. Harris also mentioned that if any other video game adaptation was going to actually get him hyped, it would easily be Legend of Zelda. This is apparently the one property that he still has some form of hype for post-Avengers Endgame. If you know Harris from his podcast Superbomb, you know he is a huge Marvel fan, so this doesn't surprise me at all. That's another show that I can promote as well, by the way. Check it out for some good laughs in the style of how did this get made for comic book nerds. Superbomb, it's on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast apps. 
Zelda is a franchise that I haven't been able to dabble in at all, except through online playthroughs. I've been a Sony gamer for almost my whole life, with a brief chapter in the middle where I turned to the Xbox 360 instead. I still can't afford a Switch, and at this point I'm still more curious to see what Death Stranding is all about. Still, if I get the chance, I won't turn down the opportunity to play Breath of the Wild, just to see what the fuss was about. For now, I'm fine with the games I play on the consoles that I have. At least that means I still have access to this masterpiece and all the feelings I gained from the minimalistic story therein. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. If you want to engage with this discussion in any way, if you have a suggestion for what subjects you'd like to hear more about, or what stories I should look into as potential episodes, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram at daskythor, you can like the show's Facebook page at Adaptational, and you can also send me an email at adaptationalpod at gmail.com. That's adaptation, A-L, pod as in podcast, at gmail.com. Our theme music is provided by the East Village Opera Company. Thank you very much to those guys. Next episode marks one of the most ambitious tasks of the first season, when, by the recommendation of a friend, I dove into a major chunk of a massive fantasy series. Four books for one episode. Trust me, that's not happening again. But it did happen when I covered Tamara Pierce's Song of the Lioness. In the meantime, keep those pages turning, and I'll see you next time on Adaptation. Adaptation.